All right, everybody, welcome to Check Your Six. We're back again. We're getting one step closer, I suppose two steps closer to the end of the fall season. We have already have the CEA championship lined up. We're ready to go for that one. It's going to be a doozy. But this week's progression in the fall season really lines up to be about the Face It preseason we had two matchups this week, CU Boulder versus University of Georgia and Akron versus Grand Canyon University. Two matchups I was looking forward to. GCU, this is their opportunity to, I mean, anytime you play at Akron, this is your opportunity to cement yourself as one of the best when you can take a map off of them or if you're especially good and especially on it, beat Akron. Mm -hmm. Now that didn't happen. But this was a great opportunity for GCU to test their metal and see what happened and how they can improve. This is going to be one of those things where I think a, a good squad, a unified squad, is actually going to be able to take a lot out of a matchup like this. You're not going to be looking at, like, I guess a Maryville versus Akron. Maryville not barely even qualifying to make playoffs and then go against Akron, who is just cream of the crop, decimating all their opponents, where the difference is too much and you're not going to learn anything or very, learn very little. GCU put up a fight. It was close, but in kind of standard GCU fashion or Akron fashion, the first match was close. Akron warmed up and just kind of had their had their way with GCU and just put them in the ground. So I believe it was 7-5 and 7-3 final on those. Uh, the, the second map being capped off by Arv having an ace is kind of the way that it goes like between Arv, Jetcon, Surma, Hennessy and gosh now I'm blanking on the fifth uh Jetcon, Arv, Hennessy, Surma I don't remember either gosh dang it I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to leave him out because he's another one of their heavy hitters and one of those guys who just crushes things. So it would be a mistake to leave him out. Gotta look this up. Not. I'm not going to leave that out. Maybe chat will have me. Nope. Chat doesn't have me saved yet. Uh, just scrolling. I'll do it. I'm. I'm going to find it. I'm at. There it goes. Thank you, Lucha Olven. I got it at the same time as you. I'm at. That's who we're looking for. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that squad is just dangerous five ways. No no doubt about it. Surma for his mat knowledge. Uh, I'm at and Jetcon for their just frag ability. Arv for his clutch plays. Hennessy for being support and playing around his teammates. Just being able to follow through. And get those clutch kills as well. I mean, he's pulling his way. Every member on that team just does a stellar job. Um, and they never seem to lose their stride. I think I would want to go back to Texas Tech, that Texas Tech match, and find out what was going on with them. I feel like something was off. Someone was sick. They didn't prep. Or Texas Tech really just being that good. I, I'm really curious about that. Um, but outside of that, GCU... I mean, this is that great starting point. They've recovered after a bit of a slump. 
I think going into the spring, they're going to be one of those teams to watch that kind of been a, maybe a little bit of a sleeper during the fall season. They did well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they did well in Face It. They did well in uh, our CR6. And I don't believe well, they might be in CEA, but they were in the Open League, which I didn't look into a whole lot. Um, but, yeah, GCU, team to watch, I would say. Akron, they're on their way to that triple crown. They're in the CEA final. They're in the Face It preseason final. They won CR6. To do this, not back-to-back-to-back seasons, but fall last season, I think it was two championships and a runner-up last season, and then potentially a triple crown again. That is a ridiculous kind of status to have in a collegiate esport. Like, this puts them upwards of, like, Maryville and... uh, Hugh, Hugh Storm, Harrisburg University, in terms of like League of Legends, Overwatch, and stuff like that. If anyone's watching a college esport, like you start putting Akron up there in terms of sheer dominance, which is a scary thing to say that we have a team like that. Uh, second matchup, unless you have anything to say about Akron and GCU. Um, no, not really. Um, I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just kind of like over the fact that Akron is just a, a dominating force in all these leagues. Yeah. I, I wish that there was another team that was close. I wish mm-hmm. that there was another team that was putting in the same kind of work or uh, was able to be as uh, efficient as Akron. I mean, uh, I bet a whole bunch of other teams are putting in the work. I don't, I actually, I, I'm going to retract everything I said. All of these teams, a lot of these teams, Lucha Olven's team, CU Boulder, they're putting in the work. They're doing mm-hmm. the, the their homework, they're studying, they're doing the right steps. It's just Akron has, I don't know, I don't know whether it's just like they sourced the right players, They ha- they got lucky, I mean, one team with however many teams that we have, like at one point we had, what, 210 teams in CR6 last season? Mm-hmm. Like in 210 teams, there's bound to be that perfect combination. It just creates that holy grail of a team. I mean, it's like Tom Brady and Gronkowski just taking the Patriots to crazy distances time and time again. It's just a duo and like a five-man squad that just affects the game in such a drastic way. Uh, I don't know of any other collegiate teams that were really doing uh, challenger league scrims like Akron was last season. I don't know what Akron's practice schedule and scrim schedule is like this year. I, I mean, they're, whatever they're doing, other like other teams should be looking to emulate a lot of those behaviors if they're not already and. The teams all seem friendly enough to talk about what they're doing, so maybe just not giving away their strats. But if they're if they're practicing a certain way, I would expect other teams to start reflecting that as they get into situ- uh, more dedicated situations. I know that someone mentioned Akron also had scholarships for Rainbow Six players, um, so or for their esports players in general. So I mean that definitely has an impact, but I don't know if it's as much of an impact as some people would like to believe. 
So, yeah, I wish that there was another team to play out against Akron more consistently and give them a challenge. I was excited about FIU last season in CRSL because they actually took it to Akron. I was excited for Texas Tech because they kept it really close and it was pretty scary to watch to see if Akron could actually lose that. But every other matchup to this point has been like not as exciting. MTU, uh, Michigan Technological, uh, they have a chance to make a really good setup. They took a map off of Akron uh, in their semifinal matchup or in the quarterfinal matchup in CEA, and they get a rematch opportunity in the CEA final. So we have one match to look forward to where there's an opportunity there, uh, whether they improve on their operator bands, their map bands, really play to their strengths and not play to Akron's style. That's going to be a big big step forward I know that was Michigan State's folly Michigan Technological has a lot that they can learn off of and my hope would be Michigan Technological and Michigan State working together as Michigan bros and saying this is what we learned from our match this is what you learned from yours how can we help Michigan Tech get there to be Akron mm-hmm. I think that would be if that's the storyline that comes out of CEA that's going to be the best storyline of this season is Michigan Tech overcoming a loss against Akron, ride it out in the losers bracket only for like one or two one match, um, but then to come back against Akron and win that's that's a storyline right there. And if Michigan State helps them out and helps them study, find out who their scrim partners are, I think that that's well worth it. Yeah, uh, but right now Texas Tech and Michigan Technological seem like the only two teams that are holding a candle to Akron. Uh, one thing I did want to know about the GCU Akron matchup is that GCU listened to our commentary, or that's what I would like to believe. They might have uh, just uh, done their research and done their homework, but when it came to the map bands for their matchup, let's see, I have my screen's going to go a little dark real quick just while I pull this up in Discord. Uh, Akron band Clubhouse, GCU band Coastline, that's what I was looking for keep Akron off coastline they did it first round they didn't have to worry about it being picked uh Akron picked uh consulate cafe uh GCU picked cafe uh and on consulate GCU chose to defend first Akron chose to defend first on cafe Akron banned Oregon GCU banned theme park and then the decider was Villa now one thing that we've talked about a number of times is how Villa is a defensive sided map and Mm -hmm. it's one Akron has shown some strong picks um, but at the same time uh, others like Homie Miggs and Lucha Oven have actually said that it's not a great map for, uh, for Akron so leading that to be the decider may be a good call and if we're looking at round inferential to make the decision on who makes it to Villa to pick sides that's scary but if we were to look at a coin flip in that situation I think that that makes it a whole lot more interesting in that you're leaving it to actually executing on the side and hoping that you get defensive side first so that you can really put the other team in a pinch yeah exactly 
I mean, any any matchup, like you take any matchup, Akron versus whoever, and the round differential just statistically is going to go in Akron's favor. Do you really want to see Akron take defense first on Villa? No, you don't, because then they're going to six one six one you like or like five one you like they've done the last couple times in playoffs. So, I mean, to me, the coin flip is more of that decider. But at the same time, it's just for it's just for that first side advantage. But round differential and just being like you're already being put in the ground, so you get to be put in the ground even more on the decider map. That takes away the drama. It takes away all the story. Uh, Homie Migs makes a comment. Akron just picked Consulate, which is usually both of their first insta-bans. So that might have thrown off GCU a little bit from what they were planning to do. Yeah, I mean, that's a great shout-out. Uh, the fact that that Consulate was their first pick uh, makes me want to believe that they were preparing for Consulate to be a problem or or not for it to be a problem, but rather that they wanted to use it as a surprise to catch their opponents off guard. Because then if it was, if GCU didn't ban Coastline, Akron picks uh, Coastline, GCU picks Cafe, we'll assume that, but then Akron gets to ban Consulate that second round. So Mm -hmm. it's, either way, it seems like that ban on Coastline forced Akron to do something else. And uh, Akron, or either forced them to do something else, or Akron already had that card up their sleeve to say, we're just going to throw off their pick bands as early as possible and say, consulate, we're playing consulate. Because if Akron has been instant banning that regularly, plan, teams could plan around that in a best of five. Or, yeah, a best of five. Or, but, sorry, uh, best of three. Yeah, I think it might have been a. Uh, I don't think it was a through Akronoff. I think it was the other way around. I think Akron chose Consulate to throw off GCU. Throw, yeah, throw off GCU. Because it seems like obviously GCU did their research. Yeah. Um, and Akron might might have known that, uh, yeah. and so they were like, okay, we're gonna throw them a curveball and we're gonna play Consulate. So. The only the only other thing I, I I question about that is why break out that card up your sleeve in a quarterfinal or a semifinal whatever it is quarterfinal uh, in a quarterfinal in a preseason tournament like is this um, I think it was more to show I think it was a uh, a show of dominance right I don't think uh, it was like an I don't think it was like an ace up their sleeve I think it was more of like okay you can ban all you want to we know how to play the other maps too so you know mm. go ahead i think that was more of, of what they were trying to say a so, response an escalation to gcu's escalation anything you anything you can do we can do better <laughs> i think i'm pretty sure that's what it was yeah okay that makes sense that, that does make sense um yeah and i mean all things considered they could consider GCU as a as a worthy opponent and be willing to break that out coming into the sea. Like this is preseason, so the rewards are smaller, if anything. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they're smaller in the competitive league, but there it's a smaller preseason reward pool, less 
notoriety to go along with it because it's a very different format than what the spring is going to be in. And they've already won CR6. They're already qualified for CEA's championship. They could have been using this as a legit, like, it counts, but it's also still a scrim to get ready for uh, the CEA championship. Just play mm-hmm. another, treat it as a, a scrim against another uh, worthy opponent type deal. Uh, which brings us to the other matchup, CU Boulder versus University of Georgia. Now, this this matchup could have gone either way. Uh, I had a lot of concern about CU Boulder being able to be decisive about this and being able to being able to pull through on a win. Like a partial win wasn't going to do it. Like how they got how they scored some of their points in the CEA and. Georgia is just that hyper aggressive team. They they're there to win. Like Wanda Swan is just there to win. He's competitive as hell. Uh, I haven't spoken to any of his other teammates, but like that they want to be the best. They really do want to be the best. So mm-hmm. that matchup, it was going to be a close one to begin with. I think UGA just squeaked by. Uh, ra- map one ended up going to uh, ma- round fifteen. So that one went the distance. CU Boulder showed up. Uh, Georgia just kind of clutched it out. And then that second map, it just went all Georgia's way, 7-3. to three. Uh, Which, given that you go to round 15 and you lose it, kind of some consistency problems or some abilities to really close out rounds uh, on CU Boulder's part kind of throughout the season. It's been a little bit of a theme, but I definitely believe they became stronger and more well cohesive um, by the end of the seasons or by the end of the fall. So CU Boulder's definitely going to show show up, I think, a lot stronger in the spring season, give them mm-hmm. like a little bit of downtime, let them study their play, let them really understand what's going to happen to the meta over the week, over the next few weeks the we have a new operator coming out of i believe tachanka's rework will come out of quarantine i don't know how much he's actually going to be used but by we get by the time we get to the spring seasons tachanka will probably be out we'll probably have a couple of other operators available as well i don't know i forget who's in quarantine right now but a rooney and uh, um i think that's the only operator right a rooney I think so it's just a defense operator yeah which a lot of people say we're in a defensive heavy meta already so uh Aru- adding I, aruni to that as well i've actually been reading that aruni's been kind of underpowered hmm. uh which kind of surprises me now granted i, I haven't I've, i actually haven't played siege in a while but um uh, i've been i've been reading a lot that aruni is pretty underpowered and uh, it it, like I said, it really surprised me because the way that they showcased the, her um, her abilities, it, it looked like that she was going to be really strong. And to, mm. to read that she's kind of underwhelming is, I I don't know. I maybe I like either those people are just playing her wrong, or maybe you know the the fence is just not as strong as it was showcased as, or something. But I have no idea. Yeah, I I wonder if. Because, I mean, Siege is such a complex game that if you're not going to support the gadgets the right way, then 
the gadgets are just going to be uh, underwhelming anyways if mm-hmm. uh like she's got the good guns she's got a decent setup otherwise so if I, it makes me really think people just aren't used to playing around her or playing with her and it's easier to just overcome her obstacles if she's if those things aren't supported appropriately and i mean we'll get into all of that maybe uh as we uh, over the next couple of weeks as people are playing her more often uh and we start seeing teams practice for, with her more knowing that she'll be used both in pro league i mean pro league's um six invitational qualifiers start december 2nd so who knows if we'll see her there i i imagine she'll be available she came out what or no she's is she out yet i don't even know she's on live servers yeah okay so she given that she'll have been out for close to a month by the time the qualifiers start she might be available i haven't looked into the rules yet i I don't know uh but i mean maybe we won't see her there but we'll see her in the spring collegiate leagues for sure and i think we'll if we're watching any of our players stream we'll see a rooney making some uh some appearances i'm sure uh as they figure it out or as balance patches come out uh before those leagues start uh, or after the six invitational wraps up in case ubisoft's sitting on some changes that they want to do uh so cu boulder uh, i'm looking forward to seeing their performance in the spring uh i would I would probably put them under GCU in terms of expectations, but still up there in that kind of top 20 teams is about where I would uh, top 20, top 15. CU Boulder could probably crack the top 10, but definitely within the top 20. Uh, So that second matchup, UGA versus... um, Sue Boulder, she's my mind's all over the place. Uh, Lucha Oven correcting me, saying Def Top Ten. I, you know, I, I might off the top of my head, I have a hard time defending my top ten statement. Uh, he said definitely top five. Yeah, he says definitely top five. I have a hard time defending my top ten statement. I can't think of enough teams to fill out ten right now. Uh, I think the thing that concerns me most is that inconsistency that we saw or that inability to be decisively winners at least in ca i mean that that is so hard about what's all what about watching all these leagues is that you're matched up against so many different teams and it's really hard to gauge your proficiency and performance when you went five and zero in cr6 in the season but didn't actually claim a, a full victory in cea now CEA is a selective, very competitive league. CR six, you were matching winners against winners, winners and winners against each time, and those first few wins are going to be, I would say, statistically easier. And yeah, I mean, you didn't have the easiest of seasons, Lucio. I don't want to pl- downplay that at all. You rotate new two new players in, new structuring of the team and stats uh, over this whole. Uh, let's see new structuring of the team and stats over this whole fall yeah absolutely this fall oh you had roster differences between the leagues i didn't know that that is very interesting uh we'll have to talk about that leave leave a message for the podcast i want to know more about that um but 
So, I mean, that definitely plays a factor into things. I, I don't know a lot about the teams. Absolutely. Like, okay, eligibility issues. That's definitely going to cause some interruptions with your performance. Uh, but there's a lot that Syntax and I don't know, can't track, just because we're not playing in those leagues. We're, I don't talk mm -hmm. to a lot of the players directly, or they don't reach out to me or anything. And I, I lurk in the server, in the Discord servers, as much as I can. Uh, so whatever context anybody can give us about your teams, about what's going on with them, I'm planning to do my massive spreadsheet because the stats that were taken this season between CR6 and CEA make it a whole lot more eligible for me to put stats together into a spreadsheet and start talking about things and hopefully creating a power rankings across all of the universities. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and it'll still, it'll be with my wonky ass mathematics and Excel magic, but, uh, and I won't claim that it has even a re reasonable margin of error, uh, but I will do my best and try and represent the teams as best as I can. Uh, so the more context we get about the teams and about how things are changing, maybe this is feedback for the different leagues, being able to tell how these teams are changing and how they're performing at a higher level, that would help us create content around it. Um, so food for thought, food for thought, other leagues, uh, and going back to homie makes, I think CU's top five, as long as you have blonde or pain or both without and without, I'd say top 10 to 15. So going off of my mismatch patchwork information in the team, we're kind of on the same wavelength, homie makes. Uh, so good that we're, we're, we're talking, we're, we're comparing notes. We're getting a clear picture, which is something I hope to provide every one of our listener, listeners in the future is that clear picture of what's going on. Uh, without either, we still finish second to Akron in our CEA division though. This is true. This is true. And I mean, it was, a, it was a close race. I mean, you were tied for fourth with two other teams and Akron was the only one to be really decisive. It's true. That's true. Uh, going into the final matchup for CE or for uh, face it preseason UGA versus Akron. This is, this is the matchup Wanda Swan called me out on when I when I was downplaying UGA's uh, capabilities and saying, what do they have to do? Beat Akron? I, I, I said, no, you don't have to beat Akron to prove that you're any good. I just want to see you do better. And I, I had a lot of faith in Michigan State at that point because they had beaten some really well, uh, well-known teams and some very powerful teams. They had stuck it out when a lot of people thought they were they were done so uh i i rode my thoughts and turns out michigan state still beat uga uh i don't know what the folly was there you i know wanda swan was upset that his team lost to that squad and a lot of people were commenting on michigan state's performance against akron in the cr6 finals so uh what i'm really hoping for is uga to put to put up that fight that changes my mind like that really cements their position. I believe they're a competitive squad. I just like, I, I don't know what, I, I can't recall all of their matchups over the last couple of seasons, but they always seem to fall short. They always seem to be behind those teams that were just like dominating their seasons or dominating the play and like some of the play that I saw. They've always been around. 
I just hadn't seen them cement themselves as the top tier team. Like even still at this point, I think I have to put UGA under CU Boulder and under GCU. Uh, GCU hit their slump and seeing what they did this season makes me believe in GCU a lot more. But UGA, has, uh, they, they've kind of been steady where they're at. I haven't seen them really rise up. I haven't seen them really fall down. It's just they fall down at the end of the season or they fall down in a particular matchup, and it's like, oh, that was surprising. Um, a lot of people could say that the Michigan State-Georgia uh, matchup was surprising. But you look at the data, you look at the previous matchups, you consider who their opponents were and what Michigan State had to overcome, and yeah, it's it's a different different game when you start looking at some of those bigger pictures. Um, Homie Migs, I take CEAA group stages with a grain of salt because they're the best of twos with draws, so it's very much a challenge of deciding who's better, if that makes sense. Yeah, the scoring system is definitely different in CEA and it creates a different setup but when even with the availability of tie or of ties oh and a homie makes is just not a fan of the CEA's format so uh and I mean judging off of syntax's preference for not having ties in the pro league uh I think I think you would agree I think you would agree with homie makes is that right syntax yeah yeah, it's yeah. If I remember correctly about CEA's format, I, I'm not a fan of it either. So there's wins where you win both matches, partial win where you win one, draw one, uh, double draw, and then losing one and drawing another and losing both matches. I believe are the same points wise. So each one of those outcomes presents a different amount of points. And then the points okay. are what your uh, stack, uh, how the rankings are listed. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that seems, <laughs> it seems a little over the top. I, I like, I think a lot of these teams uh, are making things more complicated than it should be. They're they're mm. making things more difficult for themselves when. Uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a set way that that the tournaments have been going on for a long time, and like these leagues are coming in and trying to uh, innovate uh, ideas to how to run these tournaments, which I get and I respect. But at the same time, you're you're innovating these ideas that uh, are just making things a lot more complicated, hmm. uh, and they really shouldn't be. Uh we got a couple of side conversations going on, but yeah, uh, I liked the idea CEA was doing something different after seeing how the scores actually broke down this season. I think it does need to be simplified a bit and I I'm starting definitely to fall on that ties just aren't good for this, for this game. It's just not exposing the teams who are better and it's not allowing there to be a decisive, power ranking i mean like i said we had three teams tied for fourth place or tied for second place it was tied for fourth on the stats sheet but like three teams that were second third and fourth and they were tied with points and they had different stats overall um like different wins different losses different ties uh like cu boulder was heavy on the ties uh another team had like one win and four losses another team had 
a tie, a partial win, and a win, and a, a couple of losses, and just a weird combination of outcomes, and it all put them at the same rank. Having that level of consistent ranking despite different outcomes, it just makes it really hard to tell who's doing well. Mm, yeah. And I agree. the other the other conversation, Lucha Oven is definitely digging in his heels and defending CU Boulder as a top five team. Uh, he said that they still had wins over Michigan Technological University and Pennsylvania State and CSULB. Uh, and Homie Miggs and I are definitely in agreement that CSULB is not top 15 and that they definitely dropped. Uh, so, like, CSULB may not be the best team to compare yourself to because they fell down hard, uh, just like Arizona State University did. Um I, I don't believe they were overhyped, Homie Migs, ASU and CSULB. I just believe that people expected them to be a consistent squad, and this year they just fell off. Like, they had been good for so long that they they finally hit their squad um, pain points. Someone graduated, someone stopped playing, uh, the meta wasn't good for them, so on and so forth. So uh, I think... I mean, with ASU having the largest online student body in the country, I think they're in the neighborhood of like 14,000 students or something like that are just distant remote learners or remote students even prior to uh, COVID. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Like their Discord is just ridiculous, apparently. Um, I would expect them to have a really good um, esports section esports representation so to expect them to show well i don't think that's too much to ask but the way that they fell off it really just felt like something something on their squad died which was bad and csulb same thing just something just did not hit well with them this season uh so we'll see if they'll re rebuild they probably will uh and again with the fall season being structured like it is if they're putting their efforts more towards face it and getting ready for face it maybe this was all just prep work for them i i'm really curious how many teams took this fall season seriously and which ones were prioritizing face it despite having three leaks to compete in uh when are cea relegations i have not heard i have not seen um so those should be coming up. My guess is that those will be the week after the championship. So next Wednesday is the default time. Um, so default time was December 2nd. That's next Wednesday, I believe. So we'll see if that holds up. That's been a streaming night for CEA. So I imagine that's when we'll see that. So I would expect the relegation matches to happen maybe that weekend. So the 5th or the, the following week on the 9th so that they can be streamed on a regular uh, CEA stream night so we can look forward to those for sure uh, no idea when the face it preseason championship is going to go off as well that's to be announced last I saw uh, but either way like so Akron versus MTU is going to be a good matchup I have high hopes for MTU and have a better showing this time especially as it's a best of five as opposed to a best of three, which will be good. Uh, test test them a little bit more. I think that's going to be more of a strain for MTU than it will be for Akron, but it's still a strain on both teams. And then for Face It, 
we had Georgia versus Akron. Georgia's this is Georgia's time to really, really put their money where their mouth is, basically. Like if if we want to believe Georgia is as good as they are, this is a good good chance to compare Georgia to Michigan State to uh, MTU. So we've got an opportunity to see of the three of Akron's opponents who's actually the best one because Akron will not have changed much between the three championship matches. Small course corrections here or there, but they really don't need to fix anything with how dominant they've been. Uh, you, looks like you weren't picked up. I didn't hear you. Oh, sorry. I was muted. But yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you were saying. Great. Um, yeah, outside. So let's see. Uh, Lucha Olven calling out and saying that this fall was pretty much prep for them. So we have a potential top five team saying the preseason, the fall really was the preseason across all the leagues. And so they had finals right in the heat of the CR6 winter season. Like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they're in the winter season. There's a CR6 winter season coming up. It's a short season just to provide something in between fall and spring. So that doesn't help at all. Um, so there, there's maybe some more co schedule conflicts that are happening between these leagues and with the college schedule. Um, yeah, so Homie Mig's calling out that their finals are also in two weeks, so it's not really planned. It To me, it feels like a summer light, a summer league uh, light. Also, with a winter league, uh, I don't think that's going to work very well because everyone's going, like college kids, right? In the wintertime, everyone's going home for, for the holidays. Home? For the holidays? I mean, I would assume so. I mean... I don't, I don't know how, like, a lot of college students went to campus, and they've been doing remote learning from campus. So going home, like, it's, it's a risky proposition. True. But I think... I'm, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are just going to go home anyways because it's the yeah. holidays and people want to be with their with their fam uh, over the holidays. So, um, All the freshmen I, at Colorado University were sent home before Thanksgiving. Okay. okay. If an invite team didn't want to play winter, they lose their invite league spot. Wait, what? Wait, no. Really? Invite, invite league is... Uh, CEA, but the Winter League is CR6, so I don't... Unless CEA is doing a Winter League that I haven't seen either. Or also. So, that would be really kind of messed up if an invite team lost their invite league spot because they didn't want to play in Winter. Oh, but that, to me, I would just... CR6 is making invite open. Oh. I hadn't seen that. Okay, I'm gonna have to dive into their announcements and see see what's what. Um, which now we're starting to see some more unification of these leagues, like we were just talking about trying to simplify things and make it less complicated. So, okay, well that's some homework for me to do. Uh, do we want to go into? That's kind of all there is for collegiate. Did we want to go into the pro league stuff that's going on? I 
it's all rumor mills and hearsay and it's kind of bizarre that we have hold on a second it's kind of bizarre that um everything that's happening in the north american pro league uh but it, it's it's, st it's like knee deep in legalese and very minute differences of how things were executed and it has severe changes on how the players are treated uh it's weird it's a weird space right now and i think from just from what i've been seeing it sounds like north american pro league is by far the most dramatic and kind of the most underwhelming in terms of storylines and teams and plays and matchups it just hasn't seemed like a good showing and now like we've had e united drop their roster and they ended up losing their spot so all the players became orgless and they lost their spot in the pro league so if those players want to play again they'll have to qualify through the challenger side of things which sucks and it was really crappy that that happened and it ended up saving tempo storm from relegation which then for tempo storm to drop their roster or forfeit their spot and roster but allows the opportunity for the roster to hold on to their spot in the pro league really kind of rubbed the community a long way i i don't know if there's more going on um I haven't heard much more about it. It was like noise in the community and then fell off about how that all ha was handled. And so if there is that inconsistency of treatment for players, again, Ubisoft needs to figure that out. Face it needs to figure that out. Uh, and then we have the latest rumor going on that, uh, or not rumor, but the Sonics who are uh, trying to qualify uh, in December for the sixth invitational, they dropped four of their players, all but Super, and their the immediate rumor mill started spinning of saying Super was the one who made that call happen. Uh, a lot of people are considering him the worst team on the Sonics or worst player on the team of the Sonics. So it's weird that he would be the one who was spared. So there's, yeah, the the rumors with Sonics are bizarre and. Like, I, I'm not going to substantiate any one of them saying one's right or one's wrong, but inconsistency of how these pro league spots or these orgs are operating with their rosters gives me a lot of concern about Ubisoft's future stake in this and how Faceit's going to actually fix this. I mean, Faceit's been running for five months now running the esports for about five months now six months something like that and this was with a plan that was announced at the last six invitational at like the very beginning of quarantine or very right before i think it was february so right before um so there's a lot of communication consistency and fairness to the players uh honestly that needs to be taken into account over the next season or before the next major or before the next um the invitation is going to happen with how things ha shook out anyways but in the off season like right now besides the qualifier there are no official matches happening for the next five months which 
I saw quoted as a reason, a primary one of the main reasons why United and Tempo Tempo Storm dropped their rosters, and I can I can totally consider that. There's no chance of either one of those orgs winning the Six Invitational, let alone qualifying for it. Well, and, also you got you got to think about this. It's not just that, right? It's also big picture. Uh, Siege is it is it is hurting bad siege is kind of limping um what makes you say that because okay so this year alone viewer or the player base has dropped or the average players has dropped 50 percent oh wow right yeah um 2018 we dropped 32 percent 2019 we dropped 20 percent and then this year we've dropped 50 percent right yeah um which means average players are going down uh which means viewership is going down yep uh content creators are kind of uh are, are scrambling they're kind of panic a lot of the the the, the r6 hard stuck content creators are kind of panicking because um they they think that this game is gonna die um yep and that also translates over into pro league absolutely without view without viewership there's no one to there's no one to watch pro league without no one to watch without anyone to watch pro league there's no money um without any money there's no there's no allure for team for organizations to buy into it um and i think a lot of these other teams are are like united and uh um was it oxygen or tender or tempo yeah um our stars seeing are, are is seeing that effect and they're just like you know what this isn't this isn't worth it you know it's, this is a game that we there is not a there hasn't been a pattern of of, of increase um for the last couple of years and so why are we putting our why are we dumping a bunch of money into you know the average cost of running a, um a pro league siege team is about 250k a year right if you're if you're if you're dumping 250k a year into a team without any return if yeah. you don't have if you don't have uh tier skins in game if you don't have a charm in game um you know if you're not winning any of the divisions you, you literally have zero revenue yep um and so they these a lot of these teams are just are are going negative are going heavily negative and they're just like yeah, this isn't worth it because i know some of the teams have kind of held out to see if they can pull some money in because i know like um you know just going just making it like qualifying for land it awards teams some money right yep um and then uh placing a certain spot awards money you know stuff like that so there's a little bit of revenue but like not a lot um and so I just everything put together a lot of these a lot of teams are kind of uh, gtfoing um and I, I honestly wouldn't unless siege does something like huge I, I i honestly i don't see the the game uh getting any bigger i really don't yeah. i mean they had i mean cr6 or not cr6 but r6 has had a really interesting growth i mean from the very beginning there was a a lackluster launch and then after like a year or two they finally found their swing of things and they started finding a, a viewership and player base and the game actually started becoming more solid and 
it rode off of that success for about two years and it saw a lot of growth and there was even consideration of uh, Rainbow Six being a tier one esport in terms of some power rankings of like I think it was the esports insider that put them up there um, and they flirted with it for a little bit and but since I mean the pandemic really squandered a lot of that opportunity and I don't think Ubisoft was really in a, in a place to capitalize and to really push things forward. They, I mean, they were announcing the restructure and then quarantine happened. And now the orgs already knew that this was coming. So they had some time to prepare for it, but the rest of the player base and content creators, they didn't. And I think that that's had an impact on things. And honestly, it's been really hard to get into the game because the few, the few matches that I've played have been plagued with cheaters. They've been like, oh, it's been a while, I feel rusty, and then I, like, I'm I'm bad at the game. I will still admit I am holistically bad at the game, and when I get murder hold from, like, a little one bullet hole peak, I'm just like, I can't play against that. I don't know how to play against that. I'm not going to remember turn this corner and shoot when there's three other spots I have to check where that are more common, and just to be yeah. at that that high level, the learning curve is absurd hands down the level design makes sure that but then the the gunplay doubles down on that so it's really really tricky to get good unless you're dedicating a lot of practice hours to this so i could understand that they're not attracting new players to play hopefully having rainbow six on the xbox game pass might get some more people in, introduced to rainbow six but uh that's only going to do so much it's not a great way of getting new players nice. into the game I, th I think it's a, I think it's a band-aid. They're slapping yeah. a band-aid on a very big problem. Um, I I think like on top of this, right? Ubisoft is not helping their case by doing things like having miscommunications, yeah. where like was it United found out they're getting auto relegated uh, over Twitter. They yep. saw the the post by Ubisoft. They're like, oh, and then they didn't even get they didn't even get told. They found out via Twitter, and they're like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, how unprofessional is this? And then like, the guy, uh, the guy who looks like Legion that everyone says looks like Legion, uh, the Asian guy who's the director of esports for Siege, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you know, he's like, we are better than this. Like, we can't do this again. It's like. Bro, you're the director of esports. How did you let this happen in the first place? Yeah. How are you going to say we are better than this when you're the one who oversaw this whole thing? Yep. Right. Um, I, I, and that just baffles me. And uh, in terms of running your Rainbow Six League, your relationships with the teams should be, shouldn't. No one else in your division should have a better relationship with those teams than you. Like at the state of the game you should be worshiping these organizations you should be doing everything that you can to keep these orgs in your game but yet you a time and time again you just you just you screw them over and over and over and and these orgs are just getting ready to to pull out um yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the other big impact, it's a different style game, but Valorant came out, and it kind of shook the shooter community a bit. It grabbed a lot of players from a lot of different games. It grabbed Fortnite players, it grabbed 
CSGO players. It grabbed Overwatch players, professional ones, too. And I imagine Rainbow Six was hit by that, too. So, I mean, in a pandemic, when a new Riot game that comes out, when there's almost immediate esports structure put behind it, and, I mean, it launched in the summer, and here Riot is already claiming their first foray into organized esports with it within six months and after they said we're going to let the community take out take it on and see where it goes from there and then in six months they have enough data to say yeah we're turning it on now do you want to go participate in a riot sponsored event yeah you do because you see how they run league of legends and you know that they're going to be running it in a very professional manner they know how to communicate with their orgs now there's a lot of people who will critique them along the way but riot has done something that no one else has done with esports so i think a lot of people put more faith into riot than they do ubisoft when ubisoft has had a history of miscommunications and a history of problematic decisions especially around their premier esport in rainbow six mm-hmm. so like I, I I sincerely believe that unless Ubisoft does something insanely big, um, like for example, uh, they need to release quarantine because they need they need to get quarantine finished and they need to put it out because nope. people are going to come back to play that. They're going to come back to play quarantine because it's something new. And they're gonna say, you know, I miss this game, and they're gonna and they're gonna go back and play Siege for a while. That's yep. gonna bring their, their their numbers up. Um, or two, they 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 honestly, I know that people say it's just it's just not feasible, but if they really want to keep making money off this game, it's gonna have to be done, and that's that's release a Siege 2.0 with a new engine because the the the, the engine that they made Siege on, and and granted they had zero idea that this game was going to blow up they had zero idea and so that's that's not their fault but they they designed this game literally on the assassin's creed engine (laughs) see rainbow six siege was literally built on the same engine that assassin's creed was made on and not and not odyssey not origins i'm talking like assassin's creed 3 like black flag um heavily modified yeah, heavily modified, which is why a lot of the textures look like they're from Assassin's Creed. Like, you can climb them, right? Because <laughs> it's in the same engine. Um, uh, they, they, need to, they, need to make a, they need to either grab a new engine or make a new engine and rebuild the game from ground up. Because there's just... Every time they fix a bug, two more pop up. They fix another bug, you know, three more pop up. It's just... It's a never-ending uh, goose chase with, yeah. with bug fixes. And they it's can a lot never... Of- Go ahead. It's a lot of the same problem that Heroes of the Storm had. I mean, Heroes of the Storm, they couldn't fix Observer and they couldn't fix replays because it was built on the StarCraft II engine. Mm-hmm. StarCraft II was, was already like eight years old at that point when it came out. And it's like, you can't, when you're wanting to do like in the moment instant replay type stuff, you can't, you can't just shoehorn that in. Like, there was a there was a posted blue post on Heroes of the Storm communities that was basically here's the list of things basically you can't complain about because we're never going to fix it. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's a lot of the same problem. I I don't know how much a sequel 
would save it or like a 2.0 patch would save rainbow six I, I think it would really save it if they were able to to redesign the game on a new engine and fix a lot of these problems mm -hmm. it would save the game people would come back They're, the reason that people, people would are come back for sure the, the reason that people are stop stopping playing is because of the bugs because of how bad like for instance sound is you know how bad like destruction is right now because it's just things are so inconsistent because the engine the the coding on the engine is just bad um and so if they were to if they were to transfer all that over i mean obviously that's way easier said than done yeah transfer over to, to a new engine that would and if you were to fix you know even just 70% of the problems. You don't even have to fix yeah. all of them. 60 to 70% of the problems, I guarantee you'd bring 90% of your player base back. Speaking from experience, a new engine has never gone well. <laughs> it's never easy to do. And yeah. it's it's something that usually teams are making their game in the middle of making a new engine just because that's game development. Uh, yeah. So it's devastatingly expensive to be doing that. And I don't like Ubisoft obviously has more than enough money to do something like that. And their distributed development across multiple studios gives them the leg up on doing something like that. It's entirely possible. I don't believe that they would do that at for at least another few years for me. Yeah. If they like a 2.0 patch, which is like a heavy rework of a whole bunch of systems, uh, would be a great way. It's a marketing beat. It gets people in short term, and but it's going to be the content that drives people to come back. I think announce it might have even been more damaging during the last six invitation war. They announced the next two years of plans, new mm -hmm. new new ops, new map, map rework, new ops, new map, map rework, and like just announcing that repetitive grind with nothing else to look forward to outside of the special modes every now and then which are fun things that have little battle pass things with them and it's which, it's cute it's quaint but it's which, not but it's not driving things yeah which by the way the last event was clearly a christmas event re-stamped re, re as a halloween event yeah with, so with, with just creepy music into it like, you can't do that Player, that was players see through that. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, player. I mean, game developers have to work with reuse all the time and find cheap alternative solutions and find ways to extend what they've been working on or working with. And so I get it. It was a call, but I disagree with the the content. So, it, I mean, your content creators are backing away. Your pro your pro teams are backing away. Your viewerships down. You have to do something to make the game fun to watch and fun to play again and mm -hmm. it's not just rehashing the same events it's not just a new map it's not just a new operator it's not just a story mode it's it, it's not like I, they're gonna I have to reinvent it i personally think that they should have done a a siege 2.0 a long time ago i mean right yeah. now I, I honestly i believe they are way in way too deep for it to be feasible but i feel like that that's really their only course of action that they have left to save the game like uh, you know either they just keep releasing content and and just hope that it magically blows back up again 
Yep. Or they divert all of their resources that they get from Siege into this this 2.0. Yeah. It's they need to either they need to either double down and create this 2.0 or just kind of ride out this left whatever's left of this right now until the game dies you know as yeah i and so i think if you were to do a siege 2.0 patch that would not suffice i think quarantine has to be that 2.0 effect and they have to announce like rainbow six siege 2 like a full-on new game new game like within six within six months at the earliest uh they'll i mean i imagine a, a quarantine release might improve things for six to eight weeks but within six months of quarantine's release they'll have to announce what's really next for rainbow six as a franchise because it's not good enough to go this long without a new iteration yeah no, and, either they, yeah either they, they they do what you just said or they make a new Tom Clancy game. Rainbow Six or, Resiege. Yep. <laughs> yeah, a, a new Tom a, a new Tom Clancy game. Uh, yep. A new Rainbow Six game. Doesn't necessarily have to be Siege, but just a new Rainbow Six game. And um, if they build that one up from the ground up of being a competitive kind of esports style game or esports in mind, like I, I think originally Rainbow Six Siege was build a competitive game see what happens see if the community brings it on and then ubisoft just kind of floundered the siege esports and esl just wasn't getting good communication from um from ubisoft from and I, now we're seeing the same thing with face it from what i've seen in interviews uh, a lot of the original game designers mm -hmm. they literally were just creating a fun tactical shooter that people can play they had yep. they they had zero competitiveness behind it they didn't uh, they really did not they did not expect it to get as big as it did yeah. they had zero idea um, and so and then, they have to they have to be taking that in account into account next if they really want it to be successful so for me it's about the content i like as soon as i see a treadmill i immediately get turned off from a game um so it's hard for and it's hard for me to feel like I'm improving if the rate of content that's coming out, whether it's new map, new operator, or map rework, if I can't master those things before the next thing comes out, or feel like I've gotten close to mastery, I'm going to be falling farther and farther behind, and I just don't have that kind of time to play that much of a game anymore. Um, so it, it's interesting to hear that we're looking at a treadmill we're looking at the, they have to hit marketing beats to re-up their player base to re-up their content creation to re-up the amount of attention rainbow six is getting but then and esports let's be clear esports is at the bottom of every business plan if it happens it happens but they don't want to throw in more money than they have to because competitive esports just isn't a money maker right now it's not a money maker for the teams and it's certainly not a money maker for the game like it'll make some money but it's not like a primary revenue source the revenue source comes from casuals and whales yeah, yeah. so i mean that, that's that's my understanding of uh monetization at this point so e and esports players aren't whales you look at the average esports fan they spend like 20 bucks 20 to 40 bucks a year while traditional sports fans are like 80 to 150 a year 
on merch. So like there's a huge disparity there. So esports and game development and money and making money just aren't tied together quite yet. So yeah, it's and, an attention uh, seeker, but it's not quite there. And and people are wondering why a lot of the in-game items are becoming super expensive. It's because they're trying to scrounge as much money as they can because they realize that they're not making any money anymore. And so they have to make these in-game items super expensive, which is why all of the event stuff is always ridiculously expensive yep. um, because yeah. they're, they're panicking. Yep. And it's the, it, it, like, compare Fortnite and its battle pass and its store to Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six has limited options, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Fortnite has options out the wazoo, and they're relatively cheaply priced. Like yeah. you can buy a few you things and feel like a dollar or two, right? You know. I mean, yeah, like the battle pass if you're buying it outright is like twenty bucks, and then mm-hmm. you get a, a stupid amount of stuff to go with these the like hundreds hour hundred hours that you put in per season to get to the yeah. max battle pass. And so the, the time investment to the cost of the art assets that you're getting as, as microtransactions in Fortnite is way more balanced than the cost and the time it takes to get stuff in Rainbow Six. And there's an imbalance in systems for Rainbow Six, and it just it makes it, for me, not approachable because I don't want to... What Siege does that a lot of other games don't, like call of duty and fortnite do is like in their battle pass they give you a certain amount of in-game currency and most of the time that that in-game currency is the exact amount you need to buy the next season's battle pass so like you don't even have to buy the battle pass from as long as you buy the first battle pass you don't have to buy any battle pass after that as long as you you as long as you spend the time spend the money or spend the time Mm -hmm. you get you players have an option and if you only make it so far during the season, yeah, you have to shell out for the rest of the credits that you didn't buy or didn't earn, but it's still a smaller purchase. You can convince someone to spend $5 as opposed to respending $20 after 10 weeks. And $20 after 10 weeks, I mean, any kid who earns an allowance is probably making 20 bucks in 10 weeks. Yeah. It's like two bucks a week yeah I mean, most parents are okay with that i mean that's why apps in the app store at 99 cents are so easily bought because it's 99 cents no one cares about 99 cents no one cares mm-hmm. about two dollars every two weeks yep it, the the math and the economy is there for some games it doesn't appear to be there for siege and it's a lot of those type of things that i think will make it so that a 2.0 patch is kind of the the beginning of the end of rainbow six but a sequel a proper sequel actually shows investment in the ip and in the gameplay itself which also equates to different economies and different systems to drive player behavior of playing more earning more and learning the game better and being more as more of a funnel into esports which then gets the esports attention that Ubisoft would need to support another league. But mm-hmm. that's all <laughs> all over the place and we've certainly gone over our time. So great theory crafting conversation, great little conversation with Lucha Olven, Homie Migs in chat. We'll have to get, have you guys in on the podcast next time so that we can actually chat through this. So why don't we think about availability for folks and we'll see if we can have a whole group on to talk about 
the CEA finals and potentially even the face it finals so let's think about that see if you guys are interested reach out let's see what's up uh, or if you're listening and you're interested why don't you reach out and we'll see if we'll coordinate and we'll see what we can do for a grand finale of a, a season for the show that's focusing on actual match outcomes I'm Warlock Recall you can reach me on all social media at Warlock Recall R-A-K-A-U-L you can also leave messages for us at anchor.fm slash check your six slash message and I mush mouth that slash every time after check your six uh, <laughs> uh, slash message and send us a message we've played the last few messages on the cast and we talked them over we'd love to give you credit love to communicate more with our community with the rainbow six community call us out are we dumb are we smart big brain low brain whatever uh meme on us all you want attention is attention there is no such thing as bad publicity uh you can reach syntax at syntax gg or at syntax underscore gg on twitch and reach out to him there see his rainbow six videos on youtube learn how to play i still need to watch more of them and see if i can put any of them into practice without just feeling completely useless to my team and we will see you all next week for me i'm done signing out syntax you got anything i do not i will uh, how many more how many do how many more podcasts we have in the season so we'll do one next week for covering the finales of CEA and Face It, hopefully. And then I want to do a State of Rainbow Six, which we kind of dove into a little bit already, but I have a content creator out there by the name of Jacuzzi who plays Rainbow Six and creates streams around it, uh, some clips and all, all that good stuff, who wanted to reach out and see if we'd be interested in talking about the state of the game. So if we want to do a big old group chat and just shit talk Rainbow Six or bring bring us up and see how we all feel about rainbow six that could be a great chat to have and we can see who all is interested and go from there so we'll maybe do a highlight of rainbow six as a game in itself it seems like you and i have a lot of thoughts on it as well so we can dive right into that uh and then that will probably be it until the spring season rolls up so our last episode is potentially uh december 12th so two weeks out from now and then yeah, we would I, see everyone in January, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to have, uh, if, if we can get some people on, I'm really excited to, to have a group conversation, um, especially if somebody has opposing opinions to mine it, and, you know, we're able to have a, a, uh, a pretty good debate on, you know, the state of Siege and whether or not they believe uh, uh, Siege is going to grow uh, or not. So there you go. We'll see. Okay. If you're interested, reach out and let's chat and let's see if we can coordinate a good time. All right, everybody, that's Check Your Six for this week. We will see you all next week. Later, everybody.